I want to share a message with you this morning that is very much needed in the era of time that we're living in. It's, uh, you know, there's so more, it, it, you, you, if you're looking around you, if you're, if you're living at all, you know that there are probably more people right now dealing with hopelessness, anxiety, distress, and depression than at any other time in our lifetimes. And so the thing about that is, is that God's Word has the antidote for everything that is going on in people's lives. And so today, I want to share a message with you. The title of the message is called Standing Strong in the Storm. And uh, if you're a note taker, I encourage you to go ahead and write these things down. You're going you're gonna to see some things today that you'll need to plan in your lives. But if you're not, uh, if you're not a note taker, then I'm encouraging you to become a note taker. And uh, there's another reason for that that I might share if I, if I remember it. <laughs> I am glad to have my uh, lovely wife, Nancy, with me this morning. If you can welcome her as well. That's my wife, Nancy. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the first little part of the message. I'm going to share with you the miraculous, amazing, inspiring testimony that God has done in our lives. But I'll, I'll share beginning with the earliest part uh, you know, uh, your pastor talked about us being in full-time ministry very, very when we were very, very young, and uh, that, that is true, but there's also a lot of other things that started in our lives when we were very, very young, because we have actually been sweethearts since the second grade. And, uh, and so actually, the first time I mentioned to Nancy, I remember we were playing on the monkey bars in the second grade at recess, and I remember saying to her one day, do you think that when we grow up, we might get married? And, uh, and so anyway, we were sweethearts on and off all the way through school, mostly on, but a few times off. And uh, once we got to high school, we never dated anyone else and got married about six weeks after we graduated from high school and then moved. By the way, I forgot to mention, we grew up in Dyer, Tennessee, uh, the little bitty town, not Dyersburg, but Dyer. We were youth pastors later in Dyersburg. But uh, anyhow, so the Lord has, has really blessed us and blessed our family, but we have been through an amazing amount of storms in our life, and I want to share the lessons with you today about that. They're going to share you three big lessons that God taught us that helped us to navigate the storms, but I need to let you know kind of what some things were that we went through. I know that Covington went through a weather storm and other types of storms connected to that last year. But uh, the storms in our life really didn't have anything to do with weather. Um, I'll just kind of share a little bit. So anyhow, um, in the last 30 years, while we've been in, in full-time ministry, actually longer than that, but in the last 30 years, we've been through a season of storms, and I'll kind of share our testimony. After eight years of infertility, trying to have children, then all of a sudden our our victory came over infertility the morning that our son Colton was born. And so we were so excited. It was like all of a sudden life was perfect. We had actually been married 11 years because we'd been, when he was born, we'd been trying to have children for eight of those years. And so anyway, Colton was born and it seemed like all of a sudden life was perfect, but that perfection only lasted about two hours. Because two hours later, when I went to the nursery to bring him back to the room, he wasn't there. They had to rush him to intensive care. And the first nurse that I talked to down in intensive care after I ran down there said that 
we have to we have to immediately send him down to Labonner Children's Hospital. And she said, he's got major heart problems. We don't know what all is going on. But she said, she was trying to encourage me, but it wasn't encouraging. She said, we hope and we think that he might survive in the ambulance to get down to Labonner. And so that's how close to death he was right after being born. His first heart surgery he went through when he was seven days old. And I will basically put a lot of this on a shorter list here. By the time he was 17 years old, he had gone through six open-heart surgeries and at least uh, about eight or nine other heart procedures through those years, mostly heart caths and those things. And when Colton was two years old, Nancy almost died from an autoimmune disease that, that took her years to recover from. And for the first six months, her doctors didn't think she was going to survive. And so... She could part of that time she couldn't even feed herself. She was extremely sick, but God brought her through that. And then later we decided, hey, we want to expand our family, and the Lord led us to adopt an orphan from China. And so uh, we we got on the plane after 22 months. The the Lord led us to a specific child because uh, they kept losing our paperwork and we kept having to start again. And, uh, and we knew the reason was because when we got there and adopted our daughter, she had not even been born till a year after we started the process. So the Lord stopped all that to get us to one specific child. And so they, they put our, our little princess in our arms. Her name's Anna Grace. And uh, she had only been, she had just turned one year old two weeks before that. And so we were, oh man, we're so excited. We knew that this was supposed to be our daughter. And immediately I knew in my mind I would give my life for this child. And we, we flew back to the United States. We, by the way, we pastored a church for the last 25 years in South Haven, Mississippi. You're aware that that is a suburb of Memphis. And we did also plant a campus in Tupelo, so we had a uh, multi-site. And uh, anyway, 30 days after we got back to Memphis, our daughter Anna Grace was diagnosed with brain cancer. She almost died the next day in a, an emergency 12-hour brain surgery trying to take the tumor out of her brain stem. And they all, she said they almost, she almost died twice in that surgery. And then she was a, 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 a patient at St. Jude for over a year with chemotherapy and radiation and then for several years with um, you know, therapies and different things like that to try to teach her things and try to get her uh, making advancements. And so they said later on, we didn't know this originally, but they said later on she only had a 15% chance of even surviving. And they said if she does survive, they, they did tell us this. They said she probably will never learn how to walk or talk and have no personality or anything like that because of the potential damage to her brain. And then uh, we went through a few more trials and tribulations with uh, our son Colton, and then uh, two years ago, I almost died of a massive heart attack, even though I was very physically fit, and then three months after that, I was diagnosed with two brain aneurysms. Everything that I just shared with you in our testimony happened while we were in full-time ministry trying our best to be able to fulfill the call of God in our lives, and the vast majority of it happened while I was pastoring Cornerstone Church in South Haven. And so one of the biggest miracles in our life was the fact that in spite of all of these distractions and all of these uh, things that we had gone through, that God helped Cornerstone grow exponentially. And so that was a big miracle. It was, it was him, not me. <laughs> but uh, anyway, now I want to share with you the good news of the testimony.
The odds were against any of us still being alive. But God, every storm that God brought us to, he brought us through with miraculous victory. And so if you guys have the, the family picture, you can go ahead and put that up. Um, this, is our, if they, they show it, this is our family. There's Colton, me, Nancy, and Anna Grace. We're all still alive. We're all healthy. And God has brought us through all of these things. Now, the cool thing is that, go ahead. You can give the Lord glory. It was him. He, he did so many miraculous things in our lives that every single doctor we have was stunned that we survived and that we not only survived but thrived. And so this morning, I'm going to share with you three of the major lessons that God taught us during all of that. He showed me years ago that the reason he allowed us to go through all these things was to train us to navigate adversity so he could use us to encourage other people and to teach other people the powerful lessons that you need to know to not just survive, but thrive in the middle of the storms of life. And so that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to share three of the lessons the Lord showed me years ago that he was going to use me to write books. I knew that. And so uh, the first one is called Standing Strong in the Storm, and uh, it'll be available if you want a copy later. Uh, but uh, it's, it's not just a memoir of our testimony 85% of that book is packed with powerful lessons that God taught us that really those are the reasons that we were able to survive because you know, I mean, we all have gone through storms in life, but you know when you're trying your best to serve God and when you're doing everything you possibly can to fulfill his call on your life and you continue to go through storm after storm after storm after storm, you know what it does to your emotions. You know what it does to your thoughts. You know what it does to your attitude. And so I want to share some things today that we all need to know. And so if you want to go ahead and turn with me, I'm going to use a, a, a scripture passage that God used many, many times through the years to tell us things. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And uh, this is actually a storm story in the scripture. It's the story of where one of the one of the the parts of where the story where Jesus comes walking out on the stormy seas to his disciples in the middle of their storm. And so I want to share some things with you from this passage today. Matthew 14 verse 22 says this. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And I know that we're talking about prayer this week, and it's a week of prayer. And so that's uh, this uh, another example. Jesus had a consistent lifestyle habit of prayer. And if the Lord needed to spend time with his heavenly Father, then how much do we need to spend time with our Heavenly Father? Very, very much. He went up to the, prayer, to the mountain to pray, and when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat, where his disciples were, was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately 
said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, which is powerful and which, Lord, is always, always full of treasures of truth that we desperately need in our lives. And I thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Spirit as we've worshipped you today in spirit and in truth. Lord, the same Holy Spirit that we sense as we worship you, the same Holy Spirit that inhabits our lives is the same Holy Spirit that inspired every word in the Scriptures. And so, Lord, thank you today for planting eternal seeds of truth in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. All right, I want to do a book promo right now, but it's not my book that I want to promote. It's God's. I want to encourage you with something. One of the reasons that we have survived and thrived through all of the things we've been through, and, and this also the church grew exponentially in multi-site, was because of the passion and the love that we have for the Word of God. The Word of God is absolutely packed with treasures of truth that will totally transform your life. But if you just kind of skim over the top of stuff, there will be so much that you will not see. And I want to encourage you, become a passionate student of the Word of God. I pray in the name of Jesus that in 2024, you all are going to invest more time in the study of the Word of God and in prayer than you ever have in your life. And if you do, you're going to be surprised at the miracles God brings into your life. And so I want to encourage you. One of my passions is to encourage people to become a passionate student of the Word of God. All right, so that's the book promo. <laughs> uh, this is the time, you know, where everybody knows about social media stuff, so I always put this little slide up in case those of you that, that uh, like to do stuff on Facebook and all those kind of things. So if we can do the slide. Oh, by the way, that's the, that's the book there, Standing Strong in the Storm. And, uh, again, it'll be available if you want some later on. So let's do the, let's do the uh, connection slide if we got that one. Dookie. I might not have sent it, so it could be my fault. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll do it later. Uh, but uh, anyway, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, because I believe you're going to get some things today that, uh, that will be very helpful to you, um, we'll talk about the connection stuff later. Now, let's get into the first part of the message. The first point, if you're a note taker this morning, is the priority of perspective. Everybody say with me, perspective. Perspective. The priority of perspective is extremely important. You know this. When you're going through the storms of life, you know that it's very important what you are looking at and what your perspective is. And so the focus of this point will be the instruction that Jesus gave to his disciples. 
Verse 22, we read it. He said, get in the boat, go on ahead of them, go on ahead to the other side. Now, on the surface, that sounds just like a simple directive. But as we read that scripture, you realize they were going through, they were going to go through something that night that they had no idea was going to happen. But Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. And he had a purpose for allowing it all. And so anyway, uh, Jesus already knew what it was going to accomplish in the lives of the disciples that night, but they had no clue. So anyway, um, in the original language, I am, I am a Bible nerd, as what people, some people would say. I love the scriptures, but I'm also a Greek geek. I mean, I love digging in. Every day in my own devotions, I dig into Greek words and Hebrew words and those kind of things because I want to know what treasure is buried in here that I have not discovered before. And one of the things that's true is you can be a powerful, passionate student of the Word of God your entire life, and you will never be able to dig out all the treasure. It is too packed with treasure to be able to dig it all out. But here's a cool thing that the Lord showed me. All of this, basically everything that, that I'm sharing today, was birthed in my devotional journal through the years. I have been keeping a devotional journal since 1988. And so I want to encourage you. It's a very good thing to do to keep a devotional journal and your prayer journal and those kind of things. I want to encourage you to do that. And I'll, I'll always teach people one little, one little thing here. Here's a little reason why. Look in your mind and, and imagine the word journal. Got it? You're looking at it as if it was on the screen. Journal. Now, do the same thing with the word journey. Do you see any similarities between those two words? Okay, why? I believe there's a reason why. Because when we keep a devotional journal, we capture much of the journey of our walk with Christ, and the devil will never be able to steal it from you. He will never be able to erase it from your memory because you can always go back and read things that God spoke to your heart in the middle of everything you've ever gone through. And so I want to encourage you, be a journaler. And so anyway, in the Greek, the original language, the phrase that's, that's uh, transferred into English as cross over to the other side comes from a Greek root word that means this, to pierce through something and go farther than you've ever gone. This is what the Scripture said. This is what Jesus said. But in a surface, we just think, oh, he just meant going to the other side. No, no, when you dig into the original language, it means to pierce through something. What does that mean? When you have to pierce through something, that means there's going to be a barrier in front of you. And Jesus knew that the barrier in front of his Disciples was going to be the storm that blew up. But we all know that there's going to be barriers in your life. Every time you decide to get closer to God and to, to commit more of your life to him, there will always be barriers that pop up, and you're going to have to pierce through those things because the enemy is not going to allow you just to skate easily to your divine destiny. He's going to try to stop you. And so anyway... Uh, you got to pierce through, and we need to identify our barriers. And the other thing about this is that God is always calling his people on a journey. From Genesis to Revelation, God has always called his people on a journey to grow in our faith, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and to become the absolute ultimate version of ourselves that God had in mind when he created you. And so... 
God's call on our lives is never just for us to cross our arms, sit down, be satisfied, and stagnate. That is not his call for you. His call for you is to always move forward, to always grow in your faith, and to always move to the next level and the next level and the next level in your relationship with God. And so in order to do that, the reason that this, this first point is the power of perspective or the, or the priority of perspective is because one thing that's going to have to happen, this is the application of the first thought in the, in the message, and that's this. In order for you to be able to grow in everything in your life, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to monitor your mindset. Everybody say that with me. Monitor your mindset. You've got to monitor your mindset because when you go through things in life, it's very easy to get discouraged. It's very easy to, to be upset. It's very easy to continue just to say, God, why, 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 and all those kind of things. But you've got to monitor your mindset, and if you don't, the enemy is going to get a victory over you. So don't just live with a comfort zone mindset. I'm sure that the disciples out in that boat, as it was being battered around by the winds and they were afraid they were going to sink and drown and die, I'm sure there was some things going on. There was some discussions going on between those disciples saying, why in the world did Jesus send us into this storm? Why is he not in the boat with us? Because other times he had been in the boat with them during a storm, and he just stood up and said for the, sto for the storm to calm, and it did, but this time he wasn't in the boat. They had, we, we have to monitor our mindset. We can't allow ourselves to become complainers. We've got to keep our eyes and ask the right questions, not just why, but Lord, what are you wanting to do in me? What do you want to teach me? How can I cooperate with your plan in this situation? And so James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says, and you've read it probably, it says, count it all joy when you are going through all kinds of terrible, horrible tribulations. I remember the first time I read that when I, when I was really got, got uh, saved and, and really filled with the Spirit and really serious about serving the Lord when I was 15 years old. I read that and went, what? <laughs> Why would you do that? You, that is actually a direct command from the Scriptures for you to monitor your mindset. Don't allow your emotions to guide you. Don't allow your thoughts. You need to follow the guidance of the Lord. And so anyway, we got to monitor our mindset. And if you do that, that will help you go through any storm in life. God doesn't just want us to go through storms. He wants us to grow through storms. That's the reason and that's the purpose. And so, so the, number, the number two point here is the priority of perseverance. You can't just monitor your mindset. You also have to have perseverance. And so the focus of this is not the instruction, it's the obstruction, which was the storm that hindered them in their progress. They were doing what Jesus said. He said, go to the other side. But something in the middle, the storm blew up to try to keep them from following his instruction. And the same type things happen to us in our lives. And so we all go through storms. Think about it. We all go through the storms of life. You have been through them. You know people that have been through them. But this is a very important point. So track with me here. 
Some people are ruined by the storms that they go through in life, and other people are refined by them. Think about it. Some people are ruined by their storms, and other people are refined. Some people's storms lead them to destruction. Other people's storms lead them to their divine destiny. And so it makes all the difference in the world of your coming out the other side of your storm and where you end up and how you end up. It makes all the difference in the world how we navigate adversity. And so we got to monitor our mindset, but also the application of this one that we're going to say all together is this. You got to commit to never quit. Let's say it. Commit to never quit. You got to have perseverance. You got to be able to keep going when you don't understand what's going on. We don't like resistance. We don't like obstacles. We don't like obstructions. But many times, God uses those type of things to build our faith and our spiritual strength to a new level. You can read about anybody in the Bible, and you will see every, every character in the Bible that was majorly used by God went through adversity. Every single one. None of them had a totally easy life. And so anyway, we have to understand that. But I, wanna, I want to, uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to share a, a major lesson with you guys. Um, probably you don't ever have anybody do this, but I want you to take your cell phone out. This will be for point number one that we already went through, and I forgot about it. So uh, take your cell phone out. I'm not just wasting your time. I'm going to teach you something that God taught me that was very important. Take your cell phone out and open up your Photos app. Choose a picture. And we don't have a whole lot of time for this, so just choose a picture that you want to look at and let that be the picture that we're going to kind of examine. And I know my wife well enough to know that I guarantee you the picture that she's looking at right now is a picture of one of our dogs. Yep, there you go. She's looking at Sadie. Okay, so anyway, now look at the picture that you've got, and I want you to do this. I want you to kind of just begin to make a mental list of what's in that photo. Look at the center, look at the top, look at the bottom, the left, the right, and all of the corners, and begin to kind of just put a mental list of what is in this picture. What is in this picture? As if I was going to give you a quiz after the service today. Okay? I'm going to give you three more seconds to do it. Three, two, one. Now, I want you to take your, your two fingers and zoom in on that same picture as far as your phone will allow you to zoom in. Trust me, there is a powerful lesson in this. How many of you have already zoomed in? Say, yep. Answer me when I ask you a question. How many of you have zoomed in? Yep. Okay, now, here's the question that teaches the lesson. Now that you have zoomed in on one small fraction of that picture, can you still see everything that is in the picture? No, you can't see it. Why? You can't see it because you've zoomed into one small fraction of that picture. 
And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do whenever you're facing adversity. He wants you to not look at the big picture of your life and all the blessings of God and all the things that God has done. He wants you to zoom in on your crisis instead of keeping your focus on the Christ. And so I want to encourage you, you can't just do that. This was one of the first lessons that God taught us early on. I remember this uh, when Anna Grace was diagnosed with brain cancer. I was like, God, I can't understand it because at that point, Colton had already been through three open-heart surgeries. Nancy had already almost died. And when Anna Grace was diagnosed with brain cancer, I was like, Lord, I don't understand this. What is going on? And the Lord basically told me I had to zoom back out and look at everything that was real in my life, not just this crisis that we were facing. And when I looked at the big picture, here's what I saw. I saw God bring us through infertility. I saw God bring Colton through three open-heart surgeries, and he was so healthy at that point, he was playing baseball at eight years old. And so then I saw that God brought Nancy through the situation that her doctors thought she wasn't going to survive. So when I looked at the big picture, I saw the blessing of God, the blessing of God, the blessing of God, the blessing of God, the healing of God, all those things. And when I did that, it built my faith to believe that he was going to do the same thing with Anna Grace, and that's exactly what he did. So you can't just focus on your crisis. You've got to focus on Christ. And look at the big picture in your life. And that's the reason we just did that little thing with your cell phone. So anyway, remember, always got to look at the big picture. Now, back to the situation about perseverance. We don't like resistance. We don't like, we don't like things coming against us. But there's another point we need to learn, and that's this. How many of you, because, well, probably more of you, because it is the first of the year, and people, you know... Gym, gym memberships go way up in January every year. People join the gym, and then they quit usually after about two weeks. Uh, but anyway, how many of you right now are in, are in a, a rhythm of your life where you consistently go to the gym and work out? Raise your hand. Okay? Look around at the hands. All right? Now, you can put your hands down. Now, Let's, let's try to get more, let's try to get uh, more, uh, more people to react here. How many of you know somebody that goes to a gym and works out? Now look at those hands. Look at those hands. Let's get 100% unity in this body of Christ. How many of you have ever heard of a gym? <laughs> we understand. Here's, why am I talking about this? Here's because there's a real reason that God taught me. In the gym, which I was a weightlifter, I actually had my heart attack right after leaving the gym from lifting weights. Uh, in the gym, let's just say on the bench press, when you lift the weights, the resistance of the weights, when you lift it over and over and over and over again with proper form to avoid injury, what happens? Your muscles grow and your strength grows. You get stronger and stronger and stronger, and your capacity gets higher and higher and higher to be able to lift more weight. We understand that in the gym, but we really struggle with understanding it about life. The same thing is true in life. When you overcome the resistance of whatever adversity you're going through over and over 
and over and over again, and you do it with the right form to avoid injury to your spirit, the same things happen. Your spiritual muscle grows. Your strength gets stronger and stronger and stronger, and your capacity to do things for God gets higher and higher and higher. And that's the reason that God allows adversity in our lives because if we go through it the right way, it totally strengthens us beyond any level we thought we would ever get at. And that's exactly what God taught me with all of these things. So we got to commit to never quit. you got to monitor your mindset. you got to commit to never quit. Jesus taught us, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And one of the things is, so back, back to the, the story here in, in Matthew the disciples probably between 12 and 13 hours were struggling against that storm and wondering why Jesus let this happen and probably thinking that they were going to die because the Bible says they were so far from the shore they couldn't have swum back if they had if the so if the board, if the boat had sank so anyway the Lord showed me several really encouraging revelations through this story through the years in my devotional journal and I want to share some of them with you this morning. Verse 25, we read it, says this. Jesus appears. He was walking on the stormy seas to come out to his disciples. And one of the things the Holy Spirit showed me years and years and years ago was this. He said, one of the things you need to understand about this is that this is an example to show you that nothing can stop Jesus from coming to the aid of his people in the middle of their storm. If he has to walk on water to get to you, he's not going to leave you in the middle of your storm by yourself. Is anybody glad that you don't have to do this by yourself? You don't have to navigate adversity by yourself. He will come to you and he will bring you through that storm. And so the other thing the Lord showed me that particular morning was that the greatest threat that was scaring the disciples was the waves that were crashing against their boat, threatening to sink them into the depths of the Sea of Galilee. And the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, showed me this. He said, when Jesus came walking on the stormy seas to his disciples, he was walking on their greatest threat to demonstrate to them that what they thought was going to take them out was under his feet and under his authority. And he could absolutely dominate the stormy seas and dominate the things that were threatening them. And so it encouraged, I'm sure it was encouraging once they realized it was Christ. Hey, he is walking on what we thought was going to kill us. Jesus can stomp any storm out of your life. He can stomp any problem out of your life if you keep your focus on him. And so we'll never face anything in life that's not under his feet, under his authority. Boats don't sink when waves crash against the sides. They only sink when too much water gets inside. And believers don't sink spiritually when waves crash against their sides. Believers only sink when too much negativity gets inside. And so that's why you got to monitor your mindset. You got to monitor your mindset. And you got to commit to never quit. And so um, we have to train ourselves to gaze at the blessing and glance 
at the pain. Gaze at the blessing. Stare at it. Glance at the pain. And the enemy wants you to do the exact opposite of that. Last one is this, the priority of purpose. Everybody say purpose. Okay, there was a purpose that Jesus allowed all of this to go, to go on in their lives that night. And so as they were coming out, as Jesus came out on their storm, and they thought it was a ghost or whatever, he said, no, 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 take courage, it is I. Here's another thing that the Lord showed me in the Greek. The Greek word that's translated as it is I in this, in this verse is actually ego emi, and in most of the places in the New Testament, that phrase in the Greek is translated as I am. Think about it. When Jesus came out demonstrating total miracles, walking on stormy seas, and he said to his disciples, don't be afraid, the I am is here with you right now. What do you think that those Jewish boys thought when he said, I am, I'm sure that their memory went all the way back to the story of Moses at the burning bush when God spoke to Moses and said, I am who I am. And you tell Pharaoh that the I am has sent you. And so I am all the way through scriptures was a declaration of God's divinity. And so Jesus was demonstrating that he was the son of God by walking on water and he was declaring that he was the son of God by saying, it is I. No, 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 I am, I am. And so he demonstrated and he declared and Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter was always the one, the first one to speak up. Some of us have that gift. <laughs> and so this is also a very important thing the Lord showed me some things about. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And so we've already read, you know, you need a word to walk on. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. That's what your scripture says. That is not the description of one step. Some people think Peter took like one or two steps and then started to sink. No. When the Bible says he got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus, that is not just one step. That is a, a many steps. I don't know how many, but, but several steps. He walked on the water. And the interesting thing about it is, I've always believed this. Peter walked on water, but there was also something else keeping him up. He was walking on the Word. Jesus gave him permission and authority to get out of that boat and walk on water because Jesus said, come to me. And so one of the things I want you to understand is this. You're always going to need a word to walk on when you're going through storms in life. And Nancy and I, we, this was back before iPads and back before smartphones. So we would pray and the Lord would give us a word to walk on and we would write it down on sticky notes and put it on the mirror in the bathroom so we would have to see it in the morning when we were getting ready. We would put it on the refrigerator so we would have to see it when we were getting something to eat. We would put it on the dash of our car so we would see it when we were driving somewhere because no cars had screens back then. And so the Lord is going to give you a word to walk on if you seek him diligently. And when you step out, here's another cool thing the Holy Spirit showed me. When Peter stepped out on the water, 
obeying the word of Christ when Jesus said come, walking on the water, walking on the word put the storm under Peter's feet as well as under Jesus' feet. And walking on the word will put the storm under your feet as well as under the feet of Christ. And he'll bring you through it. And so, but Peter, you know, he was human. Verse 30 says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. I believe this. I believe that as long as Peter kept his eyes on Christ, Jesus gave him supernatural traction. Everybody say that. Supernatural traction. You can't walk on water without supernatural traction. And so the Lord showed me this. He said, I gave him supernatural traction, but when he surrendered to distraction, he lost his traction. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to try to get you to do every time you go through adversity. He wants to distract you. He wants to get your eyes off Christ because he knows that if you keep your eyes on Jesus, he'll give you supernatural traction to walk through whatever you're walking through. And he wants to distract you from keeping your eyes on Christ because he knows if you fall to distraction, you will lose your traction. And so anyway, you got to understand these things. And so anyway, Peter said, Lord, save me. And this is also a demonstration. Jesus is always the rescuer. When Peter lost his, lost his traction and began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus didn't say, no, shouldn't have stopped looking at me. Jesus didn't do that. The Bible says that Jesus immediately grabbed Peter's hand and pulled him up out of the water that he was sinking in. Is there anybody in this room that the Lord has grabbed you and pulled you up out of something you were sinking in in your life? Has he pulled you up out of an addiction? Has he pulled you up out of depression? Has he pulled you up out of all kind of adversity in your life? He is always the rescuer. Jesus is the rescuer. And so he pulled Peter up out of the, out of the water that he was sinking in. And this was another thing the Holy Spirit told me in my journal years and years ago, and that was this. The Bible says that when Peter sank and cried out, Lord, save me, the Bible says, he uses this word again, immediately Jesus grabbed his hand. Question, does that mean Jesus had like a 30-foot long arm? No, I believe, I believe what that means is that when Peter lost his focus on Christ and began to stare at the storm around him, he was probably one step away from Jesus. Question, how many times, how many times do we lose our focus and get distracted when we are closer to victory than we think we are? The devil wants to get you distracted. When your storm intensifies, that could be an indication that you're closer to victory than you think you are. So don't lose your focus on Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus every moment of your life, and he will bring you through victories and bring you through adversities in great, amazing power. And so I believe he was one step from Jesus. We've got to keep our focus on the Lord. The Bible says this in verse 32. When they climbed back to the boat, how did they climb back to the boat? 
Because they walked back to the boat. Peter didn't take one step and sink. He walked several steps. So that means that they were several steps away from the boat when he sank. And the Bible says that they climbed back in the boat. When they climbed back, I believe they walked back to the boat. Sometimes I've heard preachers preach about this, this, uh, this passage, and, and they basically just body slam Peter like a total failure. Like, man, you he took his eyes off of Jesus. He shouldn't have done that. Well, we understand the, the temptation to do that in our humanity. But I want, you, I want you to understand something. We can't just focus on the failure. There is more victory in this story for Peter than there was failure because he spent way more time walking on water than he did sinking in the water. And so we got to understand that. In the Olympic sport of water walking, Peter still has the silver medal. <laughs> Think about it. Jesus still has the gold medal, but Peter still has a silver medal if, if water walking was an Olympic sport. We can't just focus on our failures. We have to celebrate the victories that God has given us, and that will help build our faith to a higher level. And that was the whole purpose of all of this, was to build their faith to a higher level. Verse 33 shows us how. They walked, then those in the boat worshiped Jesus and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Why is this important? Because this was the first time in the Gospel of Matthew that Matthew records the disciples actively worshiping Jesus. And it's also the first time in the Gospel of Matthew that Matthew records the disciples declaring, Jesus, you are the Son of God. And the day before all this happened was the feeding of the 5,000. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be involved in that? Passing out all that food Jesus was, was totally just making out of his hands. I mean, just, just making miraculous you know, things of, of a couple of fish and, and, and a, a loaves and just a little, bit, a little kid's lunch. You know, They had seen so many miracles already. And it's wonderful to see ex, you know, exciting provision and supernatural provision. But watch this. Nothing will build your faith higher or faster than when the Lord brings you through a storm that you thought was going to take you out. And that's why their faith jumped to a whole higher level after this storm in their life. And that's what God wants to do with your faith. He wants to use anything like that to build your faith to higher levels than it's ever been in your life. And on the other side of that storm, God used the disciples in greater ways than he ever had before. And that's exactly what God wants to do with all of us. The morning that I took this laptop out and began to write my book, I was reading the scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and it says this, We give thanks to the God of all glory, the God of all hope, God of all encouragement, the God of all compassion. We give thanks to that Lord so that because he can give us that same opportunity to encourage other people with the same hope that God gave us. And that's exactly what the Lord wants to do with you. Why does he allow storms? Sometimes because he wants to use you to minister to so many people that are going through what you've been through. And so we need to allow God to use us greater than ever, just like he did the disciples. Their faith was at a whole new level. And so God used them greater on the other side. Jesus 
has power over every storm, every single storm. Jesus has power over every storm that threatens us. And we need to trust and obey the Lord even when we don't, and especially when we don't understand our circumstances. The Lord is, is using us to be able to share this core message and to share. There's, there's way more powerful messages in the book than I could be able to share in one message this morning. But the Lord told me that the reason he allowed it was to use us to encourage the people of God and how they go through adversity so that instead of getting weaker, they get stronger. And instead of getting bitter, they get better. How you navigate adversity will make all the difference of whether you're ruined or whether you're refined, whether you go to destruction or go to your divine destiny. Every bit of this matters on how you navigate the storms of life.